Hello and welcome to the No Room for Doubt podcast. My name's Kyra Matthews. I'm a manifestation obsessive and I help creatives and independent business owners overcome self-doubt and anxiety so they can build thriving businesses online. So let's get into it. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the show. And have I got a juicy, amazing episode for you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a podcast episode. This is not something that you're going to be able to listen to and just casually go about your day. This is something that is going to interrupt, interrupt the way you think about yourself, the way you think about your business, the future of your business, the opportunities available for yourself as a business owner, and change the way you think about creating money in your business. Now, I'm going to be talking to Emily, Emily Valentine, the queen of brand partnerships. And some of you listening may be like, I'm not ready for a brand partnership. I've not never worked with a brand Or maybe you're in the space where loads of brands are approaching you and you're like, actually, I am ready. I want to start creating my own. I have my own ideas. I really want to do this. I just want to say that wherever you are, I want you to be really open to the potential of all the money and all the opportunity that could be out there. I think when, sometimes when you're starting a business and if you don't have a community, it's really hard to see that there's money in flow. Like one of the reasons why I go to certain community events, for example, Future Self Nights is a great example of this, the Stack World. There are all of these communities, like online, in person, wherever, where you see other people having opportunities and your brain starts to see money in flow. You start to see people doing things that are requiring bigger budgets, where they're asking for more, they're selling more, they're showing up more. And when you start to see money in flow with other people, you start to believe that it's possible for you. But when you don't have any of those spaces where people are making the kind of money that you want, you start to trick yourself into believing that it's not possible to make the money that you want or that you wouldn't be able to create it. So that was one, me plugging Future Self Nights shamelessly or not shamelessly and two, hyping up this episode. So grab a notebook, grab a pen, tell all your friends that Kyra is coming and dropping the heat with her guests. Listen with an open mind and without further ado, here is the lovely Emily Valentine. Hello everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the No Room for Doubt podcast. I have got such a good guest on here for you today. She's impacted my life in many ways. First of all, she gifted me my first uh, vibrator, which is actually like a clit sucker. (laughs) Of course you are opening with that. Of course you are opening with that. And let me just tell you that there's a Kyra before this gift and there's a Kyra after this gift. Life has not been the same. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad I've impacted your life in that way. Like, what an opener. (laughs) That is a defining moment for me as well. Literally, basically a career highlight. So other than that, (laughs) Emily, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell my audience what else you do. And who you are. Well, aside from bringing women orgasms, <laughs> I I am an influencer by day-to-day trade, I suppose, content creator. I've been doing it for seven years now. And alongside that, I'm also a digital talent manager. So I also manage other influencers' careers. Um, I run a, a female-focused um, small business Instagram platform as well called The She Brief, which is just a nice community where we share advice about running small businesses and women wanting to start businesses and like level up their, their business, basically. So that's kind of my world. It's very online. It's very digital. Um, and the kind of content I create, um, like Kyra said, um, it's very like sex and wellness focused. I do a lot of female empowerment stuff, just basically want to help women like be the best versions of themselves as cheesy as that sound, but like leveling up in all areas. So money, skincare, orgasms, <laughs> you name it. I want to, I want women to feel good about themselves. And that's kind of, that's my vibe. Amazing. I love that so much. And 
there's so many things that like excite me about you. I don't want to get too carried away because we've just started. But I do want to tell the audience a bit about how we met and just the context for this podcast. So Emily and I met when she started the She Brief. She reached out and I did a workshop in that community um, that she has. It's an amazing one if you're thinking of joining a community for like-minded business owners. But what I really appreciate appreciate about you, Emily, is how you are you have such a passion for what you do but your passion isn't overshadowed by your drive to be financially successful and also really own your shit and what I mean about that is you know so much about like the legal sides of what you do and the financial sides of what you do and I think it's really great to see you enjoying what you do on Instagram as a creator, but also really backing that up. Like you're always talking about money. You're always talking about legal things and usage t- things. Like, look, at, I'm just like things because I don't really know. What. <laughs> you're going to share yeah. lots of this. And I th- that's essentially why I wanted to talk to you about that, because I think that there are so many people who are creatives and who are creating things who just love what they do and they don't have that secondary like okay this is how what I do is actually valuable in the world yeah I mean the money focused um content I create or the money money conversations I have online I are really important I feel because I think as women in general, um, it's also something we struggle with a lot to talk about openly, to have the confidence to go out and charge what we want to earn for our work as creatives. And it's always been a real point of focus for me, especially growing up, like when I left uni and I went into my first job and I was earning £17,000 a year and I was working all the hours for the man upstairs and I absolutely hated every second of it. I hated how much I had to battle for like a £5 pay rise. And it just, it's always just sat with me and and it feels like a heavy, heavy weight to, to carry as a woman, always trying to prove your worth, like work hard for that extra penny. And it's just something that I well I feel strongly that we shouldn't have to do but opening up these conversations online is a starting point I think so that's why I've always really been open about money and I think one of the really defining things about me as a creator and I've talked about this quite a few times when I set out to start my blog and my Instagram I never set out to do it because I was like passionate about skincare I was passionate about fashion and styling. I did it because I saw how lucrative this industry had the potential to be for me. Mm. And I was stuck in a job where I was not earning very much. I was struggling to get pay rises. I was never taken seriously. And I was bored at the end of the day. And I just thought, you know what? There's got to be a different a different route. So the freelance life definitely was one I was always going to end up doing. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I I looked to, you know, I've done this seven years now. I look back to the people that were excelling at the time. So we're talking about Zoella, mm. Zoella era, like, you know, the yeah. OGs of content creation. And, you know, that she's a, a billionaire. Like, you know, she is so, so rich. And I was just like, well, if I could, if she can do it, why can't I do it? So it was that moment I decided to start my blog. I got my domain. I started taking myself seriously on Instagram and posting my stuff. And I didn't really give a shit what people thought because I was like, this is my way out. So I started all of that content creation, which, you know, it's a creative career choice, but with the financial end goal in mind. And I think maybe that's something that creatives lack sometimes. They're so caught up in their vocation and their, their, like, their passion that they forget they have to pay the bills. And I do believe in order to be in business, you know, you have to have a skill set that you could sell essentially, but you need to also split your mind in two and really concentrate on the 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 financial side of it so in order to do that I like to kind of have these conversations to remind people that you know charging you know good rates for what you're doing your time and your skill set is essential and don't be afraid of doing it because actually there's somebody out there that's going to pay for it I said this to everyone you probably need to raise your rates 25% across the board mm-hmm. like that's usually generally what everyone needs to do <laughs> Mm, I love that I love hearing that you were just basically like you didn't start it because you were passionate you just saw that it was a really lucrative industry you saw all this opportunity and then you were like okay I'm gonna go for it I'm gonna move into that I think that's that's something that can be don't get me wrong I could have I love skincare and my passion continues offline as well but it was a stepping stone to creating a career myself that was not only creative and something I loved but 
the financial end goal was the sky's the limit. Yeah, totally. And I, I think it's like, what I was going to say is it almost sounds like that ambition to make money, there was no, it sounds like there wasn't any shame around that or there wasn't any hiding. There wasn't any like, oh, I'm just going to pretend that I don't like you know worrying um, about my bills or I don't like having money and all that kind of stuff you were just like no this is where my interests lie this is where the opportunity is and I'm gonna go and get it I really think I get a little bit annoyed when I hear like uh, it's it's <laughs> to say that it's, I don't know it's a bit of a funny one but like you hear a lot of creators say oh you know I'm just I do it for the love of what I do and every time I yeah. hear that I'm like I want to call bullshit because I just think that's so unrealistic it's a very privileged thing to say and like I don't know where their money's coming from and obviously every situation is unique but like who like can sustain themselves through like creative endeavors alone without payment it's just it's unrealistic like I want women to be more realistic as creative business women like you need to be thinking about money you need to be thinking about it all the fucking time like you know, it, you have to, if you don't think about it, if you're not checking your bank balance, if you're not setting financial goals for the month or the year, and you're not increasing your prices year on year, and you're not invoicing on time, then you're not thinking about money enough. Because to have money in your life is to think about it and to then want it more. Like, you'll know this, Kyra, you talk about manifestation all the time. You know yeah. that these thoughts have to be around your head and your space and everything all the time in order to make that your reality. So to be a creative is fantastic and there's so many talented people out there but if you want to make a business out of it then half your thoughts need to be dedicated to the financial aspect of what you do otherwise you're not going to get comfortable with it and you're not going to get really used to asking for money that you deserve and you're not going to gain your wealth I forgot to tell you that Emily is also an Aries so when it comes to being very straight talking and to the point <laughs> she is very much the queen of that but I love it because I feel like you're echoing so much of what I believe Aries season literally hello this is so interesting talking about creativity and passion and really owning that you are running a business and that you are not running, you know, just a hobby that you're doing on the side. And I think that for creatives and being a creator, there's so much opportunity now for people to start monetizing the content that they're doing and doing it by building brand partnerships and relationships with larger brands. From my perspective, it seems like the world is changing in the sense that I have a lovely mini audience of 2,000 followers, and yet I've been able to work with brands like Adidas, Dermalogica, and I've also been on the radar for other brands, despite having what would be called a small audience. Can you just tell me a bit about what your experience has been in terms of building those brand relationships and navigating that space? Yeah. I mean, you you mentioned your small audience, but there's so much power in the nano audience, the nano influencer, the micro influencer. For those listening, micro tends to be under 10K and nano is under five mm -hmm. on Instagram, for example. But yeah, there's so much power in those audiences and brands are looking more and more to these small, these small creators with really highly engaged audiences because the fact of the matter is the more you grow on social media, the more the followers you get, the less engaged your audience becomes. Mm. So although you might have the reach as a large creator to reach 100,000 people, it doesn't mean necessarily they're interested in what you're doing. As you gain traction on social media, people follow for the fact that you're big or they follow because they like an aesthetic that you create. But it's when you're talking to those very small engaged audiences, much like yours, Kyra, that's when the return on investment from a brand can potentially be very, very lucrative. And that's why we're seeing much smaller creators with smaller audiences get these amazing brand partnerships and being able to monetize very, very early on in their social careers. So in terms of actually starting to work with brands as a small creator, I think before you, sometimes what happens is before you've been thinking about monetization and correct me if I'm wrong, it probably happened to you, but you'll get people reaching out and it's like, yeah. oh, we'd love to send you something. Like, do you want this lipstick or we've got a book we'd like you to review? And it can be like, very small in the beginning and I think there's a lot of chat especially to the like mid-size influencer who's maybe you know around 20 to 50k they're thinking about doing this full-time they've already got some brand deals in the bank um to stop taking those gifted partnerships you know they're kind of looked down on like how do we convert this into a financial opportunity rather than just working for free which are completely valid questions and it's a strategy you need to think about when you've grown a little bit more 
But for those people, you know, who have maybe a thousand followers on Instagram, two thousand gifted opportunities can be a fantastic opportunity to actually practice what it's like to go through end to end like a brand partnership. Obviously, mm. there's no payment. You're getting product in the form of money like that. That is your financial compensation. But it be it's really good for anyone wanting to start out to take a product and by all means don't take anything you know it has to be something that you truly want and align with and you're interested to use because if you take something you're not interested in it will come across in the content unless you're like oscar worthy actress but also you want it to resonate with your audience as well right and if yeah. you like it they'll like it so take on a gifted partnership is my advice to anyone looking to start um, monetizing their audience take it on make sure it's something you love make sure you really resonate with the brand Obviously, you can ask the question whether or not they've got budget in the first instance. I would think it would be stupid not to. But if it is gifted and you do want to work with them, then go through the motions, like have the product, talk about lead times, discuss the deliverables you're going to give them, set up a shoot, write the copy out, edit it, discuss a go live date. Maybe don't because you actually don't have to do that with gifting, but put it up, Mm. screenshot your analytics send it to the client and be these were the results you know and I bet they're going to be good especially if your audience is still small and not used to seeing hashtag sponsored like across your Instagram on a weekly basis they're probably going to be really engaged with what you're doing and it's a great case study and starting point to then move on to paid partnerships so my advice is always when you're starting try a few gifted campaigns out treat it like a business treat it like you're getting paid five thousand pounds for this transaction and the professionalism the brands will love it they'll see it they'll see the results they'll remember you next time right you don't want to be doing like loads of them obviously but get a few case studies together maybe four or five bank the analytics in a folder on google drive underneath the brand name and then next time you get someone reaching out when you feel ready you send them all those um, analytic links and you're like this is what i did for x this is what i did for y this is what i did for z this is what i can do for you and this is how much it's going to cost Everyone, I hope you've got your notebooks out. You may need to like just go back a second and write down all of those tips because there was so much value in there. So let's start breaking this down. Almost what you're saying is that you can use even small opportunities where you're gifted things. You can leverage them for future opportunities. And you're also using that professionalism to build a relationship, it sounds like. And I think that that is where the business part comes in, in terms of like, the brand is looking for an ROI, but how can you also get a higher ROI from this one tiny interaction? Absolutely. That's exactly what I meant. And, you know, I think that's why I always tell people at the beginning of even wanting to monetize, having not even done it yet, be professional from the get go, because brands remember that. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of stigma working with creators, creators, you know, women creators, young women creators, even in like their early 20s or whatever, brands just think they're a bit of a joke sometimes. And like, that's obviously awful. But you know, when they're large ad agencies, and they've got some gifted product, they need to get out, like nine times out of the 10, they'll be like, not really take you seriously. I even get it to this day, still people not taking what I do seriously. And it, it, it's, it hurts. But also, they have this preconceived idea about young female influencers or content creators, because a lot of people do not act professional when these transactions take place and that's why I'd always tell everyone to be professional from the minute you start whether you're making money or not because people remember and yeah it just trains your brain up to thinking like a business and having that confidence to actually go out and you know ask for cash for in exchange for your work um it's just training from the from day one what you're saying about like taking it seriously for the creatives and for the creatives that are like really tuning in and listening to this episode you I think that by introducing brand partnerships as part of your revenue strategy or as part of the revenue stream and how you do business you start to take what you do seriously in terms of I see a lot of creatives online talking about like they hate that they have to make content or that they have to make reels and they have to make TikToks and things like that. And I think if a brand was paying you 500 pounds to like post that image, I'm pretty sure that your relationship with making that content would change. And it's almost like, how can you start to leverage and really value what you're doing and make that more so you can get a higher return? Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's all good practice at the end of the day. And like you said, being paid to do something always feels a lot better than not. But, you know, there is value in those um, initial clubs that are gifted because they can pave the way to something much bigger. 
but I, do you know what? It's funny you say that about the um, getting exhausted with making content. Like, I, it's my full time job. I've been doing it for seven years, and I'm still exhausted. And I'm getting paid for it. I'm not actually sure that ever goes away. If I'm completely honest, <laughs> I sign the contract and I go, "Oh shit!" Now I've got to actually do the work. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> But what I do is I tend to batch my my content creation days. So, you know, three of my five working days will be office based where I'm on emails and like planning and writing and that sort of thing. And then I'll do like one shoot day a week where I do all batch, create all my reels, all my copy, editing in the afternoon, filming in the morning. And I just get it done like that because I, I know how I work and like everyone's different. But for me, I have to just batch it. Otherwise, mm. I can't be switched on and I can't be like, got my best face on and you know it's an effort like, oh yeah like, do your skincare routine put your makeup on, make sure your hair's nice that day lay the outfits out if I was creating every single day of my week <laughs> I would be a hot mess I'm already I love mess. that I would be even worse <laughs> so question this is kind of like a very specific case study example but I want you to imagine that there is a creative out there they're selling a physical product maybe it could be candles, it could be clothing, it could be scrunchies. Um, they have maybe 3,000 followers online and they have a few very specific brands in mind that they want to work with. They want to perhaps do content, but also things like workshops and talks and, you know, maybe collaborating on a product with a particular brand. They may have a list of their dream brands. What would you say to that kind of person in terms of advice to start beginning the process of securing brand collaborations in terms of products and talks and workshops and things like that? Yeah, I think, you know, you touched on it before, having different revenue streams, diversifying your revenue streams as a creator is super, super important. And it's so, it, I'm not going to say it's so easy, but like we, the fact we are all online and we have online presences as business women and brands, it does make things slightly easier, you know, like without the social media, this is so much harder. So, you know, networking is obviously, um, first and foremost, the best way to kind of get in front of brands. I would say get together a little case study. I love my case studies, but like gathering information and intel and like mood boards and really like putting together a pitch is so powerful. When I went full time, when I was just under 10K on Instagram, like six years ago, seven years ago, I perfected my pitch. So I had like an email outline. Um, I was like a little bit of info about me, who I am, what I do. Very, very short and sweet because people don't tend to read the first bit. They scroll down and then they're just like, oh, what, what am I dealing with here? You know, I read an email in 20 se 10 seconds if I'm <laughs> deleting it or I'm flagging it for later. Um, so yeah, a little bit about who you are and what you do. I always read like the last Same. few lines of an email. I'm like the best parts are in the last Absolutely. few lines. Absolutely, that's where the money is as well. So I'm like, are they paying? Yeah, are they paying? Yeah. No. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're like, the budget is always the last bit and you're like, ah, oh, there's no numbers there. Okay, gone. <laughs> Looking for that pound sign. <laughs> Yeah, literally. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you need to perfect your pitch email. Um, reaching out to brands on Instagram is uh, can be a good idea initially, but it's not where you want to have serious conversations. It's definitely not where you want to pitch. I often reach out to brands on Instagram and will just introduce myself and just make sure I've got the right email. So I'll say something like, hey, my name is Emily. I'm a London lifestyle creator. I absolutely adore your product. And um, if I already have it, I tell them what product I have and use or whatever and then I'll say just checking that this is the right email to reach out on to because I'd like to discuss a collaboration or I've got something to pitch to you or I've got a fantastic idea I'd like to make sure it gets to the right person um so then usually the social media person managing that Instagram account will say yes that's the right email or no they'll give you the right one which cuts out a lot of legwork because you're going to make sure you're hitting yeah. the right person at the yeah the right time it's don't have to repeat yourself then you're going to get to get together your pitch email you know say for example you're the candle business and you want to collab with I don't know like a paint company so you want to like get your candles into an interior design sort of angle or maybe you want to work with a fragrance brand and like make a fragrance like a young fragrance brand you want to make a fragrance candle to suit what they're doing just put together an email that just really outlines what you want to do and like be really to the point about it so hi I'm a candle brand this is what I do. This is my aesthetic. I absolutely love what you do. I feel like we're super aligned on our, whether it's audience or 
values or you know maybe you have both have a sustainability angle that aligns make sure you tell them immediately why you're aligned as a match and then go on to talk about what your ideas it's nice to get some visuals in there so if you've got a mood board that you've put up put together say this candle brand has like um photoshop their candles in situ to some of the paint rooms painted in these colors and then and then say you want to do the scents to match the, the the colors in the walls or maybe you want to put the paint colors onto the labels on the camera just literally spitballing i did say i don't even own a yeah, candle company i'm like okay Kyra, i gotta go make my candle company now <laughs> i'm literally like this is emily in a past life she yeah. was literally sitting there making candles <laughs> honestly i do love a candle though yeah so <laughs> to summarize you're going to make sure you get the email right so reach out and dm to make sure the email is correct introduce yourself in one line and what you do tell them why your brands align go in with the idea and then give them some sort of idea of what the result's going to be. So it's going to be great for us to share audiences and grow together. If sort of like growth and awareness is your thing. Initially, I think when you reach out to brands, it is for growth and awareness, especially if you're starting out, but those paid opportunities can come further down. And like I said, with starting early on to get those brand deals to be actually monetize brand deals rather than just gifting you're going to start with your case study so it might be that you're reaching out to somebody for just an awareness sort of collaboration but then what happens is and I, I don't know if you've seen this Kyra when someone sees that you're collaborating with other brands it gives you kudos and therefore other brands go onto your page and they see that you've been almost like legitimized by another brand and they're like yes. oh we can do something like this it happened with my friend's floral business like they did one huge campaign for Klarna and she did she did like dried flower arrangements for this huge campaign and then after that it was weddings it was Clinique were involved she was doing fancy dinners for influencers and doing the table spreads it's like that one opportunity almost like as a new brand it was her first gig but that one opportunity was like paved the way to all of these other things and it's it's the same with ads as well when I'm an influence online if I've got lots of ads contrary to popular belief but if I've got a lot of ads on my feed Brands scroll them and they're like, oh, she worked with, I don't know, Dermalogica, for example, and their Shiseido skincare. They're like, well, then we're a match. You know, it's almost like they're basically saying to the brand, and brands, by the way, guys, brands are lazy. They don't have time to like vet influencers and go out there and does she really fit with me? If they see a similar brand working with you a few months back, then they you've done the work for them, basically. So it's almost like yeah. a yeah, a validation. Okay, awesome. That's so cool. And I also think there has to be something to be said about the money out there as well. I think what happens with creatives, they're going to hear all, you say all of this stuff and get super excited, like you're dropping so much value and that they're going to go onto their brand's pay, the brand that they want to work with. And they're going to see that this brand has like a hundred thousand followers or like what, or a million people on their Instagram page and that they're going to think, well, what do I have to offer? because this brand is so big and that will be the thing that stops people I'm going to be completely honest like, I can't relate to that I don't know whether it's my Aries energy or my confidence but like I've I, I I'm naturally quite a confident person I'm confident in what I create and I, I respect the fact that that doesn't come naturally to a lot of people so the thing is brands that have a hundred thousand on Instagram or well-established brands that are out there commercial conglomerates they're like you know worldwide businesses they love a little indie partnership like it really humanizes who they are because I think more and more today we want to relate to the brands that we buy that we invest in that we use in our everyday lives and although like I keep going back to Logica, it's a huge business that's been around for like 20 years having a partnership with a smaller creative indie brand is going to just give them so much kudos basically it's going to just make them look a lot cooler a lot more in touch a lot more accessible and it's also going to show that they support small upcoming businesses so for big brands to partner with small businesses they love it and I think the only reason they would ever maybe feel a little bit funny about it is because maybe they mm. are a little bit tentative about how the professional side of things might play out you know can they meet the minimum order quantities if it's a product business or you know is it something that they're used to doing but like I said before you're going to get that practice in with the gifted collabs you're going to be able to show them that your end-to-end -end client process is seamless and professional despite being a small indie brand or whatever 
So please don't be put off when you see a brand like, oh, the dream is to work with them. Like I've got an amazing idea. Honestly, all you can do is ask, send the email, put the pitch out there. You might get a no, you might get ignored, but you also might get a yes. And actually when I was pitching, I was doing it quite a lot. Like I was maybe pitching like to 10 brands a week, 10, 15 brands a week. And half of them, well, 90% of them replied, first of all, because I made them an email that they couldn't not reply to. You know, it was like, I've got an idea for you. This is what I'm going to do for you. Who who doesn't want a brand coming to them like, I've I've basically done your job for you. This is the idea. This is what's going to happen. It's it make like I said, brands are lazy. They've got a lot of people messaging them all the time. So if yes. you basically do half the job for them, then you're definitely going to get a reply. But when I was pitching, I, you know, half the people were coming back going, "Yeah, we're interested. Let's talk." You know, it happens, but you don't you don't find out unless you do it. I love. So don't that. be looking at someone like a hundred thousand followers. Oh, they'll never email ten brands with a hundred thousand followers. You'll see what happens. And also, please follow up. I can't stress this enough. If that if some if you send an email and somebody Absolutely. doesn't reply, don't assume that it's just gone to trash. Uh, my approach, and I learned this from fashion styling. Basically, I in my early career, I worked with a stylist where she would get so angry at me if I had sent one email and I didn't follow up because I was like, "Oh, I don't want to bother them. I want to be polite." Yeah. And she was like, "There's no such if thing. If they haven't said no, yeah. then it still could be a yes." And so I would email, yeah, literally every week, every two days. And if I didn't get a reply on email, I would then phone the office and be like, hey, Charlotte, I sent you an email. Can you just let me know if you've seen this? Most time they hadn't seen this. A lot of the time they had seen it and not said anything. And it's kind of like if I had stopped because I wanted to be polite or like socially acceptable, I wouldn't have been able to get through to that brand and get through to that Absolutely that's key in this because you don't put together a pitch that you've like crafted perfectly like this is your your big idea and then you just let it sit in someone's email box like it's just <laughs> the stupidest thing like always just follow one up one email <laughs> yeah like I don't res- I usually don't respond to emails until I've had a follow-up and it's not because I wasn't going to but because I fl- I have a flagging system in my inbox you know money jobs I'm gonna obviously go back straight away within three days and then anything else that's gifted I think on I think on it for a week and then I do them all together in mass like maybe a week or two later because there's no urgency there but it doesn't mean it's not important and I'm not going to respond so it might not be that they've responded just yet but always follow up and I don't mind a follow-up email unless it's automated Mm. that they are the worst like I get these automated emails all the time and they're like pushy 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 but that's like a whole different level of brand collabs I just delete those ones I got a Viagra one the other day it was ridiculous like I don't even have a penis what's going on (laughs) They chased me like 10 times. It was an email a day for 10 days straight. And the last email was clearly you don't want a great sex life and want to make loads of money off the back of it. And I was just like, wow, not only is am I totally the wrong demographic and you haven't researched any of this, but that's fucking aggressive. <laughs> wow. Like, how do you know I don't have a good sex life already? Like, how dare you? I mean, I put the story on Instagram, actually, because I'm always up for, like, calling out brands for, like, bad practice and stuff. I put the screenshot on Instagram. So many other influencers were, like, got the same email. So it was just one of those really messy, badly executed, just mass email sendouts where... We were in a funnel and they didn't even care who they were speaking to. Okay. I do want to talk about rates and money, having that conversation, because I think what I love about this conversation so far is that we've spoken about all the different steps. So like thinking about who you're going to work with, reaching out, making that pitch, you get to a brand and they're like, yeah, let's talk. They, you decide on an idea. They say, and they say that dreaded question, hey, like you know what's your budget for this Mm -hmm. and how would you approach that because I think I definitely have a way to talk about rates when a brand asks me about my budget and how much I want to get paid I always shoot back and say hey I would love to know what your scope is and like what your budget is and when they send me a budget it doesn't mean that I'm like oh I have to do less than that sometimes brands send me like what they want to pay for this. And I'm like, no, I'm actually going to need double for this. But I would love to know what your approach to money Mm. rates and Mm. how you price yourself when it comes to brand. I think this, the budget question's a bitch. It never stops being (laughs) a bitch, to be honest. Like it's always like the battle of the budget. It's like who's who's going to say their hand first. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, 
it's one of those things and I know there's a lot of people out there that say and you just said you do it they always ask the brand their budget first um and I've tried all the methods over the last seven years you know and it is a lot of the time in the nuances which I appreciate isn't kind of like you know there's not like a one to ten step process of how exactly you have to do it you have to read the room you do like you need to read the room it's all in what how they phrase the email like the most ideal scenario is always when a brand goes hey we love what you do we want to work with you this is the product we want to push this is our ideas let us know your thoughts this is our budget like oh my god job made easy like that is the dream but does that happen a lot no I maybe get one email like that every two months most of the time it's like clandestine behavior like oh just feeling you out they ask for your rates so the way I've done this and I find is the way that works best for me and nine times out of ten it's the method I use when a brand approaches me and they're like hi we really want to work with you um, what are your rates? They always ask that. Sometimes they'll say, this is what we're looking for, like a real and set of stories. So then I can just go straight in and say that this is this cost, this is this cost. But if they just ask for your rate card, then I'm going to send them all my rates across the board. So that's including YouTube, blog, all the different social media elements. So stories, IGTV, post, carousel post. By the way, guys, one post is less than a carousel. If you're putting more images in the carousel, it's more money. Noted. So I think that's always worth noting. So I say when I get emails like that, I just say, and this is like a, an affirmation thing, a manifestation thing that I've just drummed into me. I would say, thank you so much for your interest in working with me. I'm really excited to hear from you or something along those lines, because I want them to immediately feel like I, I'm excited about this opportunity. And I'm also saying that they recognize mm. my value. And I don't know, I feel like it's a little bit of a psychology thing where I'm just saying, thank you for recognizing my value and my worth. I mean, the conversation might not go that way. They might be like, we have two pounds. <laughs> I'm like, fuck off. But I want to like set the, the tone, the precedent. I want to be like, thank you for your interest in, in wanting to create with me and pay me for what I'm about to do for you. And also I think it's really good just to practice gratitude anyway, because then more jobs come in, right? So so thank you so much for wanting to work with me. And then I'm like, I've pasted my rates below for you. By the way, these are my base rates and they are subject to change in light of the receipt of the brief, the full scope of work and any usage or exclusivity the client might need. So that is me caveating. Yes, you can have my rates, but... I'm not going to be able to tell you these are the final rates or these, this, the quote actually might look more, it might look less, but this is what it is as standard. So be prepared for them to go up as soon as you send me the brief and you send me any exclusivity and you outline any usage you might need, because those three factors come into how you are going to cost the job. For example, if they're going to send you a lipstick and you said, oh, it's a thousand pounds for a grid post, one static image and they're going to send you a lipstick, fine. That one static image for a thousand pounds is probably what you're going to charge them. But if they send you a brief after they said they want you to photograph a lipstick and they're like, we want you applying the lipstick. We want a pack shot of the lipstick. We want to use the content on our Instagram. We want to put paid spend behind it. We also need it in less than three days time. These are all factors that now increase the rate. So when you said it was a thousand pounds base rate, now that you've got more information on the job, which often brands don't give you in in the first email because they're kind of sniffing out your rates and seeing like how much you're going to cost that's when you go back and you say well I've costed this up it's actually going to look more like 1,500 for what you've asked for so as a rule of thumb always include a line that says these are my base rates subject to change upon receipt of full brief scope of work and any exclusivity or usage the Mm. client might need so you mentioned a couple of like key words there exclusivity and usage could you just say more about what those words mean and how they affect your rate or what you can charge a brand yeah so exclusivity is when the brand that's approached you wants to factor in uh, an exclusivity period within the job that you're going to do for them so that can look like anything between a day either side of posting so say going back to the lipstick brand example they want to make sure that you're not putting any beauty brand advertising or organic content either side of the day that you're posting for them so it just kind of gives them a little bit more space have their ad shine out and 
it's never a good look when you're like doing one lipstick one day and then the next day you're doing another lipstick and it might confuse the audience it's not best practice and I would always say never do that anyway you wouldn't normally charge for something like that like one day exclusivity either side it's I mean how often do you post on Instagram anyway like unless you're like crazy three posts a day and you're just desperate to post another lipstick then I'm not really understanding what you're doing anyway but the point is that one day can stretch out for months it can stretch out for years like some brands are really really particular about what they do and whether or not they need exclusivity so for example I'm working for a a hormonal health brand next month and I got a a contract through from them and at the beginning I said this is my rates and I said my normal sentence based on any exclusivity or usage required they didn't ask for any I'm like fine the contract comes through they want 12 months exclusivity wow and I'm like okay well this is a problem now because I asked you didn't have it it's come through in the contract a lot of people would just be like oh oh well you know am I gonna work with another hormonal health brand in the next 12 months maybe not I'll just sign never do that absolutely never do that because actually if you're working with one hormonal health brand we know how it works you might work with another one in three months because they see that your audience obviously likes this type of content right Mm. so it's always if they want a year's exclusivity then I'm gonna have to go back and negotiate that same thing happened for my sister the other day who I managed she had a brand deal in from one of those recipe boxes that get delivered to your house and there's like several meals in a pack and they wanted three months exclusivity and she was doing an Instagram mention so a two minute mention no sorry a two minute mention on her YouTube channel on a video they wanted three months exclusivity so the way I went I dealt with this I went where do you want the exclusivity to lie do you want it one and a half months before go live date and then one and a half months after do you want it go live and then three months into the future mm. and then you always ask who their competitor list is because it might so be that you already have a client on that list and this is where it gets difficult because I asked this brand oh can you send me through your list of competitors and they sent it through it was like Sainsbury's Waitrose Tesco's HelloFresh Gusto like yeah. all of these brands there's about 30 in the list five of those brands were already Jessica's clients wow so if I'm signing away exclusivity to this this meal this meal box person, I'm essentially what you call in a state of loss of earnings, a potential loss of earnings. So you always need to make sure that you see the competitor list and your competitors aren't in there because then if they are, you need to come up with a, a, a sum basically to cover any loss of earnings that might happen should you do this job and then a job comes in for like two grand next week and you're like, oh. I've just signed away the rights. But because you've charged usage, uh, sorry, exclusivity, you've covered yourself for that. Yeah. And also you would always say to the brand that came in, you're like, look, I'm in a contract with someone else right now. Can we look at doing this in June or July or whatever? Don't just say no, obviously. That makes so much sense. And the way you describe it, it makes it so easy to really have that sort of authority and conviction around what you charge. Because at the end of the day, it's like this is a lesson that has really come back to me in terms of like brands are always going to want you to like do things for them they have their own goals but it's like I think I kind of got lost in terms of like okay brands have their own agenda but what is my agenda what are my goals and I think that like having a clear rate and thinking about money and usage and how you charge and things like that it makes it very easy to be like, okay, but this is my financial goal. Like, can this opportunity meet it or can it not? Like, can is this something that will work for right now or will it not? And being like really clear about what you're wanting to get out of this partnership and ensuring that the brands involved yeah. can also get the same. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, and, and we go back to that whole idea about thinking like a business from the get-go, they're a business, they have their own goals and their, their KPIs, whatever. You're a business too. Like it has to work for you as well you know often I hear a lot of the time influencers messaging me and they're like I just think I need to up my rates because a job comes in and I'll charge you know say they're 10k on Instagram they're charging 300 pounds for an Instagram post and she's like after I've styled myself found a shoot location got the photographer edited the images right she's like I've spent about four hours doing this job and for 300 pounds she's down to what 70 quid an hour I'm not even sure what that that works out to 75 pounds an hour And she's just like, it's just not worth my time, you know? So you need to factor in all of these. It's not just usage and exclusivity, and we'll talk about usage in a minute, but it's also how much time does it take you? Like how much time does it take away from your desk doing your bread and butter job or your your normal 
nine to five you know you need to factor that in it's the same with like trips whenever i i just came back from a job with a car brand yesterday and we were on a three-day shoot and um i factored in a day rate for the shoot because normally if i was shooting a, a job for a brand i would do it in my house or I'd do it outside my house like locally yeah. we had to travel all the way down to the coast so i factored in a day rate and then i factored in a travel day because we had to travel for half the day to get mm. there so that was half my day rate so i've got a day rate i've got a travel day rate i've got a rate for actually posting the content because posting the content what the brand is paying for is access to your audience and your creative talent and skill the time is not accounted for in that because i could create this content at my house but if they want me to go all the way here i'm taking time out of my week I, that needs to be factored in right and it's not always going to be as extreme as that like not every brand deal you're going to be like going halfway across the country for <laughs> half a week like it's you know but like as these as your following grows as these jobs get bigger and bigger like you have to factor this in you do mm. can you tell me how usage plays a role in this and how you're thinking about yeah um you know working with brands and your rates yeah so usage is something that has been around for absolute decades it's it's just the thing that really annoys me about usage and how it factors into the influencer industry or the marketing content creation industry is that the brands that you're dealing with when they're asking for usage know exactly what they're asking Mm. for they want access to your content to license it for a certain period of time to advertise their product. The reason usage exists is because as a creator, you have created this content and you own the rights. Anyone who takes a picture owns the rights to it. Anyone who writes copy, you know, it's also your likeness. If you're in the picture, it's your face, you own your face. If someone wants to use your face in their marketing, they need to pay for it. So often you'll find that when you're you're first starting out and you're costing jobs, you're just costing for the, the work you're doing. So what I like to encourage people to do is not just cost for the job at hand. So, you know, the time it took you to create the content, the fact you're uploading it on your channel and the brand is advertising to your small audience or whatever it is. I want you to think about when usage is involved, the fact that they're taking your likeness, your content, your copyright, your intellectual property, because it's all your work. It belongs to you. They're taking that. And they are pushing it out to a wider audience. So that is what a usage fee is. It's when they take the content off your channel and they use it, whether it's organically just to promote on their Instagram or they're putting paid spend behind and it then becomes a Facebook or Instagram ad. That is something you need to charge for because essentially, and this is why you should charge for it, essentially you are making this huge ad campaign. Mm. The brand has saved tens of thousands of pounds from not hiring a model not hiring a corporator not hiring an editor not hiring a videographer not hiring a social media manager and basically you've done it all for them so therefore you need to charge for them to use it outside of your platform so it's something to get really acquainted with when a brand job comes in and someone's like oh we'd really like you to do a reel and a set of stories for us do you require any usage it's a question you have to ask because what might happen is that content is no longer just part of your platform it goes out to a wider audience and you need to charge for that so there's several ways to do it the questions i ask is do you require any usage if so how long do you need it for where are you putting it and are you putting any paid spend behind it and if you are what is the budget and actually that is information that they should be able to give you it's you're within your right to ask for that so the brand will come back and they'll say we want it for three months we're only going to put it on instagram Yes, we are putting paid spend behind it, £10,000, for example. So what you do is you tend to charge for the paid spend and charge for the amount of time used. So if the paid spend, for example, is £100,000, then you're going to charge a little bit more because if you're putting £100,000 behind a picture of you, that's going to go out to millions of people, right? If you're putting it behind £10,000 behind a picture of you, it's going to go out to tens of thousands of people. So that's why you have to, like, scale up, essentially. Mm. A good rule of thumb. So you... Yeah. Because what I heard you say is that if they're going to spend £10,000 on ads, yeah, you're not then charging £10,000 for the brand. No, no. So you'll charge, you? no, charge a percentage. Okay, so, yes, of course. So a lot of the time brands won't share that information. And, or it, maybe it's because they don't even know how much money they're putting behind the ad yet. They just want to kind of option it. And I literally, guys, 8 out of 10 usage 
inquiries I get, people are just kind of like feeling you out. They don't actually know what your mm. content's going to look like yet. They don't know if they want to put ad spend behind it, but they just want the option. So a lot of the time it's mm. optioning. So that's why it's like, here's my rates for the content I'm making for my channels. Here's my usage rate and here's the exclusivity. This is your total. And brands like to see it like that because then they can see exactly what they're paying for. They know they can have the usage as an option. Often I say, if they ask me for more than six months usage, I'm like, it's it's really hard to cost and it gets into like tens of thousands of pounds. It can, it can, and no one wants to pay that either, especially because you're an influencer and we're still not respected enough, like normal like actors and you know brands like that. You know, like, oh, why would I pay you ten thousand? It, it's happened, it's happened, but it doesn't happen a lot. So yeah, just really gauge it. And anyway, my rule of thumb, just I, I could go into this for hours, honestly, guys. And it's something that I'm going to yeah, go into. I can tell. <laughs> it's something I'm going to go into a lot in the course that I'm writing. I'm writing an influencer course mm. on, and there's going to be a huge section on like usage and rates and how to work it out. But as a rule of thumb, um, 20% of the job, so say the job is £2,000, 20% of that fee is a good marker to what you should be charging per month of usage so if it's a two thousand pound job 20 percent is 400 pounds they want usage for three months 400 pounds a month okay fantastic the way you've explained that is so boom 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 and that for anyone who's listening to this and they're they're getting a lot of value and they're thinking this could be something that I could do this could be something that I could build into way into the way that I want to build my business into the way that I want to work as a creative and a business owner I think Emily is really going to be your go-to person to really get a strategy built and to get this actually happening so it's not just a podcast that you're listening to it's actually something that you build into your business you did mention briefly about the course that you're writing Mm. do you want to share a bit bit more about that what people can expect when they go through that program yeah and what kind of people would be the best fit for it Mm. okay so my course in a nutshell is basically helping people monetize their social influence it's a question I get asked a lot how to do and I just felt I could pack it if I could package up seven years of my experience as an agent as a content creator myself navigating this ever-changing industry which has the potential to be so lucrative you know I see thousands of women making career full-time careers out of this and very very successful ones I felt if I could package all of that up into like a seven module course then I could basically help a lot more people and it'd just be a step-by-step to get you from A to B. So feeling disillusioned, frustrated, not knowing what to kind of charge, not knowing how to navigate brand deals, always feeling like you're leaving money on the table. Maybe you don't know how to read a contract properly. You're scared of all these legal terms. My course is going to break all of that down. And we're going to start at the very beginning where we're going to get the mindset right because you definitely need a mindset shift when you go into working for yourself in this <laughs> industry. Like it's just a few mindset totally. shifts you need to make. And then after that, we're going to dive into how to get your shop front in order, clean up the bio, make sure all of your pillars are intact so brands know at a glance at your your platform, who you are, what you stand for and what you do best. So it makes the decision to work with you super easy. And then we're going to move into like what brand partnerships are, how all the different ways you can make money as an influencer. Then we're going to talk about rates, how to set your rate card, your base rates up, how to know when to go up, go down, package them. We'll go into exclusivity, usage, how to cost that, all the different terms like whitelisting, um, all the different ways uh, you can increase your fee as an influencer and the right questions to ask in order to know how to do that. And then we're going to go to the negotiation module, which, as I said, is a bit more nuanced. I'm going to talk through some really nice examples that I've had in my career where I've negotiated fees from like nothing up to five grand. And I'll take you step by step through what I did, what I said. And then, yeah, there'll be a little bit on the side about legal and just how to basically run your business as a content creator, because I feel a lot of people get very overwhelmed with the systems that you know it can be quite chaotic like I was there in the beginning of my career I was like oh it's everywhere I didn't have set working hours but it goes back to that thing I said about being a proper business and treating yourself like one like how to invoice the terms that you need on your invoice so you're taken seriously you know how to chase late payments so again you're taken seriously because Mm. oh my god it is a nightmare 
So that, that's, that's it in, in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, mate, I mean, it sounds so brilliant and it sounds like the things that are going to be taught in that course are going to be so useful. I'm even listening. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Maybe I need a little bit of this because I definitely do see brand partnerships as a place of, there's a lot of opportunity and growth there for me at the moment. When and how can people get involved if they're also listening like me? Like, okay, cool. This is something I want to check mm. in, check out and like mm-hmm. have a look at. If you want to kind of get involved with my community and get some advi- free advice from me, then definitely sign up for my creator newsletter. Um, I'll leave a, a link for Kyra in the show notes so you guys can sign up. I send out monthly newsletters just with advice and case studies, just so you can get really familiar with the terms and kind of how it all works. And then on top of that, I do offer some one-on-one consultancy um, where you can kind of reach out to me and we can have a chat and basically just kind of give you some advice on where to go next with what you're doing, what you're working on. I do think that this, mainly the people that I speak to are around, you know, the 2000 follower mark and they already have some interest from brands coming into their inbox and they kind of need help navigating that and kind of polishing everything up so they Mm -hmm. can monetize more. So that's kind of like my sweet spot. Okay. But if you have more followers than that and you're still feeling like you need a little bit of guidance, you know, feel free to reach out. I can help anyone from 2000 upwards. It's been so amazing to talk to you, Emily. I feel like I have so many ideas and I want to thank you for being so generous with your expertise and your knowledge like you've literally just shared so much like I said before you're an inspiration to me my sex life has never been the same my business will never be the same <laughs> I'd like to think that was because of me but it's actually just the toy I gave you so I can't take responsibility <laughs> so there's lots of love I'm very grateful all round I do have one more question for you that I ask all my guests mm-hmm. and uh it's a bit of a curveball I want you to imagine that everything that you've created up till now gets wiped away. The slate gets completely wiped clean and you get the opportunities to rebuild, but you can only take three tools with you. Now, <laughs> these tools, they can be mindset lessons you've learned. They can be physical tools. We've had a Diet Coke once. That sounds like a waste of a tool. <laughs> what, just one can? not even a multi-pack one diet coke (laughs) so yeah what three tools would you take with you to rebuild oh wow i mean i kind of can you do that for me can you just wipe the slate clean (laughs) i feel like that would just be such an amazing opportunity sometimes you know when you feel like you're in it for years and you're just like oh i'd love a fresh yeah like what would i do if if i lost everything tomorrow you know it's kind of like freedom in a way isn't it yeah totally. Um, what would i do I mean, it's. I'm going to be super practical and unoriginal, but like my phone, an internet connection, and probably some SBF. Sorry, I didn't hear that last one. What did you say? <laughs> I said my phone, an internet connection, and it's some SBF, because in my <laughs> mind, I'm going to a desert island. <laughs> I mean, like... And I'm so white. I need that. I need it. Safety first. You've got to have it. Safety first. <laughs> safety first. Ventilator. Um, no, but seriously, like, the, the it sounds cliche, but, like, mm. anyone can start a business from their phone. It's just a fact, you know? And if everything got taken away from me, I would start again from scratch on my phone and, like, I'd have mm. something up and running within an hour and I'd be protected from the sun on my desert island. <laughs> amazing so where can people find you by the way we haven't shared any of your instagram content instagram Mm -hmm. handles or if you have a sign up link for the your creator newsletter as well yes i will i'll give you that so you can leave it in the show notes for people um just drop me your name and your email address on the link and um you'll just get my next email from me yeah and you'll be you'll be in the club but yeah i am at official emily valentine on instagram i am at official emily valentine on tiktok that's something i'm experimenting with right now which is super fun um and yeah that's where you can get me amazing i'm not going to give you my address because that's just i don't want people showing up yeah of course no that's totally oh. fine <laughs> <laughs> is it i thought you were going to push me for that yeah like your national insurance number as well like could we have that that would be really yeah <laughs> i'll just read my credit card details out 
go crazy guys literally literally okay thank you so much for coming on the podcast friends listening please reach out to emily if you've really enjoyed this episode and taken any value from it stay tuned for her course because i know that's going to be so valuable i've seen the stuff that she's done with she brief and she always manages to kill it she definitely knows what she's talking about in terms of influencing and making money and building a business in that way and yeah make sure you get in touch oh thank you so much it's been amazing being on here and as you can tell I can talk about this shit for hours so I'm happy to share if it helps anyone at all like up their rates and just start making that dollar amazing thanks so much Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the No Room for Doubt podcast. If you've loved what you've heard today, you're probably going to want to coach with me one-on-one. Stuck to Unstoppable is my signature coaching program to transform your mindset and your confidence so you can go out and achieve the goals that you want in your life and in your business. Simply go to my website at www.kyramatthews.com to book your free 30-minute consultation. I cannot wait to get unstoppable with you. See you there.